welcome to Creativity Conversations. This is Nina Lockwood, and this is episode 21. And I have the pleasure of having Tiffany Kay with me today. Hello, Tiffany. Hi, Nina. Thank you so for nice. having me here. <laughs> Thank you. So nice to have you here. For this particular episode, we are just going to explore the nature of creativity and how it appears for Tiffany in her work and her life. And I'm going to start by reading her bio and going from there. So Tiffany believes that entrepreneurship is the future of business, and she's on a mission to ensure everyone has the same opportunities as large corporations to share their content and make a difference in the world. Tiffany specializes in helping entrepreneurs to develop additional revenue streams through the creation of online courses and membership sites from concept to launch. After a 15-year career as a coach, consultant, NLP trainer, and author, she realized that the joy for her came from creating the systems and platforms for creative expression. So she retrained in digital design. Tiffany blends self-awareness, business strategy, creative inspiration, and techie geekiness, <laughs> <laughs> supporting others to get their message out. And Tiffany's website is tiffanyk.com. So nice to have you here. What should we talk about? Creativity, perhaps. <laughs> Great idea. So I think my first question is going to be, how would you define creativity? Because as people who may have seen the show before know, my intent is to disabuse us all of the notion that we're not creative. So many people think that creativity just means being artistic. From that jumping off point, what is your opinion about creativity and what is it about and how do we get there and how does it show up? It's what I really like about the conversations that you're having, Nina, because I think it's so easy to get boxed in by the concept of what being a creative person is. And I speak to so many people who say, well, I can't draw. You know, and it's like that is nothing to do with creativity. It's a, it's an outlet for it, but it's not it's not the be all and end all. Um, so for me, creativity is is a feeling more than anything. It's a feeling of expansiveness. It's just being. I know maybe it sounds a bit corny, but to kind of just be the sort of the hands through which something wants to be you know brought into the world, and it can be anything at all. And my husband, who's firmly in the camp of I'm not a creative person, has just built for us the most amazing deck for him to do that and then still think he's not creative. To me, it's kind of mind blowing because he had to take that from the very beginning to like measuring up the space to figuring out what's going to go where and then to actually building it all on his own. And it's, it's just incredible. And I think it's so important for us to have these conversations and to get out of that mindset that perhaps we were taught at school about, you know, creativity is done in the art room you know creativity is done everywhere anywhere where you feel that expansive sense of awareness and that desire to do something different to me that's creativity you know I think you're the first person who has talked about creativity as a feeling oh, okay so can you talk more about that because that's that's really interesting yeah so I do actually have an art room which I have a real love-hate relationship <laughs> with my art room so it's lovely to talk to you with all these amazing colors behind you because it's almost like that's the space when I go in where I get really like, I've got to create art, I've got to do something. And it's where it all seems to go completely wrong. Because actually the place is where I'm just at ease with the world, where I'm just not too up in my head, not too, you know, got to get this done, not trying to be strategic. I'm just in an open space of expansiveness in a feeling of just ease and flow. That's the places where I am the most creative. 
Um, and it tends to come through, it comes through in my work, but it also comes through in really unusual places. Like I, I've talked to you before, Nina, about my love of tennis. You know, and I think tennis is probably one of the places where I'm most creative. Probably the annoyance of my partners a lot of the time, because it's like, why did you even attempt that sort of shot from that place? But it's like, why not? That to me is, is it, it's those moments where you're, you're not trying to force something. You're not trying to be a certain way or to end up with some sort of finished product that you can show off. That to me is the places where I feel that expansiveness. And actually that probably is where I'm most creative. So that feeling has to do with actually in the moment, just being open to whatever occurs to you to do. Yeah. And, 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 and that seems to be where, where I have the least thinking about something. Therefore, I have the most creativity. Because as soon as I label something, and this could just be because it's the way I work in the world and, you know, I have to always be contrary to everything that I do. But it's as soon as I try to be creative, I find that that's where all the barriers come in. That's where I start to get far too up in my head. I start to be, if I'm creating a piece in my art journal, you know, I start noticing that I'm evaluating and judging it before I've even completed it. Mm-hmm. Whereas something like the tennis court or cooking's another one where suddenly I'll get a desire and I don't cook at all, but I'll suddenly get the desire to make something and throw a load of ingredients. But I haven't, I haven't got that judgment going on because I'm not trying to compare it to something else that I've done or I've not decided whether it's worthy of sharing the recipe with people. It's, it's just in that ease and that flow, that's what occurs to me to do. So there's an element of play in it. Oh, completely. Yeah. I think, I think it's, it's almost where we forget to play. It's where we get ourselves into trouble around creativity. And I take that as far as things like business. You know, we see that a lot where probably people started off with that inspiration, especially people who run their own businesses. They start off with the inspiration because they want to do something that seems like fun to them. And then how easy it is once you get into, well, I've got to do the finances and I've got to pay salaries and I've all the other things that you've got to do. How easy it is to forget that we, we started it to have fun that you know it it has to be play because to be creative you've got to be loosened up and in the moment and responding to what's happening in front of you and you can't do that if you're if you're trying to be strategic that's a really good point that's a really good point because I'm thinking about how when people are trying to be strategic and trying to anticipate the outcome that's like playing a game and just wanting to be convinced that you're going to win at the end rather yeah. than enjoying the game itself. I know that because I lose more tennis matches than I win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the outcome is very rarely the kind of the end result, but the joy comes from the creating. And I think when we remember that, there's always going to be stuff that we create in the world that we love and stuff that we create in the world when it's a bit meh. Or it doesn't get us the results we want. But as long as we've had fun and we've enjoyed the creative process, well, then all experiences are good. They can't, they can't not be. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about what you do, what you offer people, and how you see yourself taking creative steps or how you encourage your clients to do that. The role that I've created for myself, <laughs> because as you said, when you read out the bio, I, I switched to digital design about three, four years ago. And that came about because I was a coach, I was an NLP trainer, I'd I'd done all that bit, but I was finding that it was the process of creating my website or creating branding that I was really loving. And that's why, why I retrained in that. To me, I think that's so key for people. You know, I tend to work mainly with coaches and consultants, but there's people from a wide variety of sectors. And I, I specialize in helping them to create online course or membership site platforms. And what I really love about that and why it's my passion 
is because I think it's the place where people really get to express themselves more so than perhaps even things like your website or there's again you're kind of contained when you do a website because you need to websites are pretty pretty much the same aren't they you have your home page your about page your contact page and they all sort of formatted in the same way and it's kind of like a brochure there's a format and there's to me there's a slight restriction in how you put that together when you get to doing online courses, when you're sharing your knowledge and your expertise with people, you can go whichever direction you want. You may, you know, you might need a sales page that entices people, lets them know what you're doing so they can be part of it. But once you get them into the space, to me, it's, it is that expansive opportunity for you to create whatever you want. And that's why I see a lot of people coming alive. And perhaps if they've been doing coaching for a while or they've been doing consulting, whatever their business might be, suddenly having this fresh thing to put their energy into. I love that. And I love being part, I call it co-creation because it's it's the working together to do something like that where people have the ideas, they come up with the content and together we pull that into something that has meaning and purpose and structure and all the good stuff in it. That's where I just absolutely love working with people in that way huge fan of that. (laughs) Oh, that sounds like so much fun. So what kind of challenges do you see people having as they create an online course or a membership site? Or what, what are the obstacles that you commonly see clients have? So the biggest obstacle I've come across with most of the people I work with is, well, two things really. One can be a not knowing your content. So that can be because, you know, like we all were at some point starting out in our field, you know, so as a new coach, perhaps you want to be all things to all people and you know you can help. What you know, you know, can help anybody. Mm-hmm. So there's almost like I actually haven't refined my content enough to be able to know what it is that I want to put out there. But more than that, with people who've been doing it for a while and have expertise, what I see them struggling with is they know so much that they want to share it all in one go fire hose effect you know and and they do know so much and I know they know so much so that can be that can be an interesting process to actually sit down and go what do I want to do and I trained with a guy called Brendan Bouchard Um, I trained in his um, experts academy and one of the things he said which I always loved and I still use it to this day is it's not which one it's which one first and that's always been I think in terms of freeing up your creativity being able to say I'm going to focus and put my attention you know, my time and attention on this particular project right now. That doesn't mean that I'm not going to do the other 10 things that I've already thought about that I could do. It's just the one I'm picking to start with, you know, and as we know, Nina, with this stuff as well, it's like, and if halfway through you figure out that that wasn't the one you really wanted to start with, and it doesn't seem like it's still, you know, your passion or your inspiration. So what change, you know, that's the great thing I think about why I love the digital world is it's not like you've been out and had 500 brochures printed. And now you're distributing those brochures. So if you suddenly decide that you want a whole, you've got to get a whole new lot printed with a website, with online content, you can change it anytime you want. So it gives you that flexibility. So that sounds like flexibility is another component of creativity. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because when you think about it, so many things that we read that come across our vision has to do with creativity. And yet, when you say to somebody, well, okay, let's do something creative. Oh, I don't know how to do that. Yeah. It's really deeply, deeply entrenched for 99% of the public. So I think that this idea of being flexible and not focusing so much on the outcome, but on the process is the ground on which you can really springboard to coming up with new ideas. If I'm being rigid about what I'm doing, 
or what I think needs to be done or the sequence that it needs to be done. We were talking about earlier how so many digital marketing strategies are very formulaic, mm. but there is something, as you were saying, in all of us that recognizes when the difference between we're resisting something because we just don't know how to do it yet and resisting something because it doesn't feel right. Mm -hmm. Going back to your point about creativity being a feeling. So what's been your experience along those lines of flexibility or openness, how you do your work and how you encourage your clients to explore their creativity and what they're creating? Yeah, when you were speaking, I was thinking, wouldn't it be wouldn't it be really interesting if we just deleted the word creativity and so see what happens? Yes. <laughs> because we'd have to find we'd have to find other language around it to use to describe yeah. the feelings, sensations, experiences, processes we're going through. And that's what I, I definitely found. And I found it for myself first, is the more that I tried to particularly follow somebody else's strategy where I thought they were an expert. And they were an expert in their business, but not necessarily an expert in my business. And I think most of us will start out like that, particularly when it comes to, you know, creating things online or particularly the marketing side of things is that we'll go and see what other people are doing. And if you think about the online marketing trends right now, it's things like webinars or challenges. Those can be working really well for the people who are sharing how to do them. And it doesn't necessarily mean they won't work for you. But if you go, that's the only way I'm going to do it is by following what I've learned, the strategies that people are telling me. There is no space for your uniqueness and your self-expression to come through that. So you're always going to be creating something in somebody else's mold. And I think what I love to do with clients is to create that space and to have them really explore what it is that they feel they would like to put out in the world and how they would like to do that. And that might not end up being the final way we do it, but at least there's enough space for their, you know, their inner wisdom, their knowledge, their expertise, their sense of fun and playfulness to come through for them before we try and tie it down to a model of this is this is going to be the finished product. I know I've spoken to quite a few people where there's quite a lot of, well, this is the end product and therefore I'm going to retrospectively work back from that and therefore I need to start here. And yes, that, that can be a great strategy to give you information. But if you then stick to that all the way through as being that's the way of doing it, you just aren't, you don't have that space for expansiveness, flexibility and openness to come in because you could start it and get a completely different idea that's so much better than the one you originally thought of. Why wouldn't you want to go in that direction? Why wouldn't you want to follow that once it starts to arise? But that's the challenge sometimes is we can get so set upon this is this is the online course that I want to create is this. And then you change, the world changes, the situation changes. God, we all know about that right now. And you're still trying to put out the course that you want to do before the craziness happens. Flexibility is just essential, I think, in, in creativity. What happens when you propose that kind of flexibility to your clients? Do they run towards you with open arms or do they freak out and say, oh, I, I don't know how to do that? Yeah, it's really interesting. And, and to be honest, some people just run full stop. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like that's okay because not everybody wants to work that way and I'm not you know I don't think that highly of myself to think that there's only my way or of doing things people will all find their way and we, we're so blessed really in the with the technology that we have now that you know you can record a YouTube video on your phone and you can put it up we didn't have that not that long ago we weren't able to do that we weren't able to as I said in the bio we weren't able to compete with the larger corporations so 
you know, if you think about what media was like before the, you know, the internet and before the technology came about, you know, if you didn't have a big budget, you couldn't make a TV show. You couldn't share information in that way. So I think most of my clients are kind of, probably some of them are freaked out at the beginning when you start talking about keeping the space open, particularly I think because I talk about keeping the space open as long as possible. And I think that can be a, a different way of thinking about it when you're constructing an online course. Um, so what do you mean by that when you say keep it the space open? That actually some of the sort of final decisions that you're making about what, say, what content to put up or what format, or particularly the one that I think spins people out the most is deadlines. So I'm all for, do you need a deadline? Do you really need a deadline at this point? How long can you leave it open? to be in the exploring and to be pulling things together and to allow that creative force to come through before you're trying to like pin it down and sell it. And it's a fine line because obviously you could do that indefinitely and we call that procrastination. <laughs> so there's a definite fine line in it. But I think sometimes we look at our diary, we look at our schedule, perhaps we look at our bank balance and we go, I need to have this done by this particular day. This course needs to be out in the world by this day. And then we tie ourselves up into making sure that all the paths lead to that one outcome when actually keeping it open and giving that space for exploration. And because once you decide and once you commit to a project, like really good things happen, you know, you have more ideas. I mean, I, I wrote a couple of books and one of the books I wrote, I wrote it purely from a place of, I'm just gonna write what occurs to me every day. And it was almost like, I actually don't think the book was for anybody else, but for myself in the end, I think it was a bit of a Bible for me to look at and go, this is how, you know, I wanna live my life in the future. But it was never, I never had a deadline. I never tried to, I didn't really have a huge plan about how the content would come together. I just wanted it to be an exploration of ideas. And I think if we can keep that in terms of online courses or membership sites, that's where the magic happens because we're committed, we're showing up, we've got the space and things will start to appear that perhaps you wouldn't have thought of if you hadn't made that commitment. I'm just thinking of all the times where I've definitely screwed myself up by saying I have to get this done by that date you know mm. it has to be done by then which nine times out of ten is totally arbitrary I was going to say that so when you think about those deadlines did you feel now as you look back on them did, did they did, did the actual date matter no unless I had said to someone made a commitment that I would do it by x time you know but mm. for the most part there is a line of reasoning that if I set, if I put a mark in the sand, then I'm working towards something and it won't just spin out into outer space as an idea that seemed really good. And I played with it for a while. And then it, because I didn't say, let's do it by X date, mm. it just spun out <laughs> into outer space. And that was the end of it. But then maybe it spun out into outer space and then spun back in or something different. Could be, but I Is didn't that... happen to notice that part. <laughs> You know, and I think that that's so important is that's the space thing, isn't it? And I don't just mean the outer space thing. I mean, it's the space thing about allowing the seeds that you plant, allowing the right ones to germinate at the right time and not getting too hung up on, you know, which ones seem like the right ones because this is where the market's at or because this is what your competitors are doing or because, I don't know, this is the dream that you had the other day that told you that was going to be the one because things change and the more flexible we can, the more we can be, and the more responsive we can be in the moment to the things that are changing around us, the more that when we create something, that product that we create is going to be aligned with us, aligned with our consumers, aligned with what's going on in the world. 
you know and I think that's the advantage especially if you're a small business I don't know how your audience maybe they're not all small businesses but if you are a small business that's the that is the advantage the advantage is that ability to pivot that ability to respond to what's coming up and um, I heard a metaphor once probably quite a familiar one for people about the whole idea of boats and you've got the big cruise liner and when the big cruise liner wants to turn around you think about how long and how much space it needs to do that compared to the canoe you know we're, if you're one man in a canoe you know you can you can go where you're being taken and you can follow that and why would you not want to because that's where that's where all the fun and enjoyment is going to come from is doing stuff seeing what shows up and then responding to that oh I love that Talk a little bit about self-awareness, because you mentioned that in your bio, that what you blend is a combination of self-awareness and business strategy and inspiration. Do your clients come in being self-aware? How do you address that? What do you point to? Yeah, so yeah, I'd, I'd say the majority of people that I work with, especially when you start talking about coaches or consultants who are in the personal development field, you know, many of them have been doing a lot of work on themselves for many years. This The self-awareness for me comes in because it's that whole, have I got my ladder against the right wall situation? Is an online course actually really what I wanna create? Is that really what my heart is telling me to do right now? My wisdom's telling me to do right now? Or am I looking to escape something or to free up or whatever it might be? And I think once you know, once you know yourself well enough, you can start to see what are your patterns? Are you, pushing yourself into something because you think it's that's what you need to do as a coach or are you even holding yourself back because you think that's not something that you'd be able to do and so I've, I've and we've had this conversation before Nina but for me every online course or membership site is completely different it's not like there's a one-size-fits-all formula in here at all and they are all different and, and and it's very healthy that they should be that way you know you, there's things to think about in terms of well what level of involvement do you want with your audience are you creating something that shares the best of what you know, but it's going to be a standalone course, a bit like a book, where people can just go and watch that, learn what they what they need to know from you? Or do you actually want to get involved and do coaching or group sessions or one-to-one -one or whatever it might be? And, and that's going to be different for everybody, depending on how you want to be in the world. So I'm quite introverted in my nature, so I like to spend quite a lot of time on my own. It's important to me. I don't tend to do many things like this. <laughs> because it's out of my comfort zone so I wouldn't probably if I was putting together an online course set one up then had a huge amount of group involvement because that's not really what I'm about one-to-ones I prefer so maybe I'd do more one-to-ones so everybody's got to you know that's the self-awareness is to know yourself well enough to know what you want to do why you want to do it because then whatever you're building will come out of that it won't just be that's what the in thing to do is right now is to create a membership site or an online course in this particular formula so introspection is a really important component. Absolutely. I think, and I think that's, there's two, there's two parts, isn't there? And we tend to put so much emphasis on the one part, which is about our customer. What does our customer need? What do they want? And of course that matters. You know, we could have the best idea in the world. And if it doesn't resonate for people that you want to present it to, then it's going to, always going to be an uphill battle to promote that. But there's also another component about what do you want to do? And how do you want to do it? And if that, if you don't include enough of that in it, you, that's what I call the, the ladder against the wrong wall is you suddenly find, well, I've got this super successful program teaching people how to set up and brand a YouTube channel. And all I really wanted to do was to help people to, you know, handle their finances or to do their relationships better. You know, it might be super successful, but now you're, you're locked into something that isn't really aligned with who you are and what you wanted. 
Hmm. And there's, there's a myth, isn't there? I'm sure everybody's aware of it. The myth of the sort of the online courses being the, the path to riches and, you know, that beach lifestyle. You never have to work another day in your life. And, you know, I don't see people having that as a result. I don't think I see even the people who claim that they're having that sometimes. I don't see that in their lifestyles as being the end result. I think it's just when we feel burdened or busy or that we're not, we haven't got enough place to, uh, enough space to play, then we think, well, if I create that online course, that will give me that. But actually you don't need an online course to do those things for you. The online course's purpose is in and of self building an online course. It's not to achieve something else. It's not to give you freedom. It's not to, you know, it can be an additional revenue stream if that's really what you want to do. And I've never seen anybody successfully create an online course when they don't really want to do it. It takes an <laughs> awful lot of work to put it together. Yeah. And it comes through. We feel energy. We know it. We know when someone's put something together reluctantly. We know when someone's in resistance. We know we feel it. We don't, you know, we don't need that spelled out to us. Mm -hmm. And it's going to come through. I mean, I'm sure with your art, you probably notice that what you're experiencing and what you're feeling comes through in your art. It, it can't not. So it's just the same with building an online course. It's how you feel, the energy you put into it, regardless of what comes out of your mouth when you actually teach, people are going to feel it. That's a really good point. I know for me, if I'm painting something where I will notice that the energy shifts is when I get to a, a stopping point, not intentionally, but I, I run into something like, oh, this isn't working or this is ugly or yuck or, you know, something that the willingness to not stop there is really important. But that energy, I feel the energy just come to a dead stop when mm -hmm. I hit one of those places where I don't like it and there's got to be some way to get through it. Mm. And I, I've found for myself, it's maybe somebody else wouldn't see it in the work itself. But for me, I can feel the energy shift when I get to that point of, oh, mm, this isn't exactly what I wanted. So now mm. what do I do? And I would imagine that that sense of uh, sensing of energy, the quality of engagement or the sense of limitation or expansion, on the other hand, would mm. be something that would be a really important signpost if you will in the process of making something if we're not going to call it a creative right whatever it is we're doing or making yeah that that willingness to just notice the as you said earlier notice the feeling of it mm. and then what do I do with that feeling do mm. I let it stop me do I keep going how do I keep going yeah. Do you, do you ever counter that with your clients? Yeah, I do. And I think that's, I would hope that that is one of the skills or um, qualities that I bring to working with people. Because obviously with all of this, with online courses, I say to people, you can 100%, you can build an online course yourself. You don't need somebody like me to help you do it. That's not, you know, I'm, I'm not there to go, this is the way to do it. But I think by working with me, because I've got a background in coaching as well, I'm also used to tuning in with people into their experiences yeah. and helping them to overcome particular like limitations or thoughts or whatever that they might have. So with my clients, quite often what will happen is halfway through, particularly if it's a big project, a big course, they will have wobbles along the way. They will have, you know, inspiration blocks. And I hope that that's one of the things that I work with clients 
can give them an experience of is being able to bring that inspiration back because most of the time it's a case of just lightening up about it <laughs> and having some fun and the last lady I worked with I think that was one of the things she, she kept saying that my emails made her laugh because when it was getting heavy I would I would make a joke so if we don't have that fun and lightness and playfulness about it, then for starters, the inspiration blocks are going to come more frequently because you're not in that open, expansive space to play. But also what you end up with is it, it's going to show. It is going to show. If you think about now when you say go on YouTube to watch a video and you might have two 10 minute videos on YouTube and there's one that you watch till the end. And there's one that you click off after three minutes. So what's the difference between them? You know, and then if you get into the strategic stuff, people will tell you how to put together a YouTube video, you know, captivate your audience at the beginning, speak to their problems, show how you can, you know, help them with your solution, tell a story, share the me too, but all of this stuff that goes there. But actually, I think what most really good engaging videos have is that the person who's speaking is engaged and having fun and enjoying themselves. That's the bit where you'll end up watching it because you're kind of enjoying being in that experience with them. But if somebody's really in their heads and going, I've got this presentation to do and I've learned these are the four bullet points that I've got to get across and you can almost see them. It's almost like they're, they're having an experience like in their own heads and you're not part of that. So you click off and go somewhere else. Why would you, why would you stay for that? So I think, I think it's when creating an online course, having that inspiration is so essential. If it goes, it doesn't mean it's gone permanently. It just means perhaps you've got into too much thinking, you know, got a bit heady, lost your way a little bit, started thinking too much about what's going to happen afterwards, all of that. And then that's where the inspiration dissipates for a bit. And then that's usually time to go and do something else. You know, go take a walk, go and play, go and watch some comedy, go and eat a great meal, go and get some sleep. <laughs> you know, rest, recharge, and just see what comes back after that. That's such a counterintuitive recommendation <laughs> than what you would normally hear in a business context, you know, hammer it out, you just focus, you put it together, and you use your willpower and your furrowed brow to create something to make it happen. And yet, what you're suggesting is just the opposite. Take a break, walk away, mm. do something else because you're out of that flow that happens when you're in a more playful mood. Yeah. And I think that's, that's going back to what we were talking about with deadlines. I think that's the challenge with a deadline is if you see the date coming up in the diary and you feel like you're not ahead of the game, if you feel like, you know, you're a bit on the back foot and that's where people tend to like go, I've got to drill down and, and do this. And then you're not going to have the inspiration about the course. You're not going to have alternative ideas about how to market it. You're not going to, the great stuff's just not going to happen if, if you're drilling down. And that's the thing to, you know, if you've got a deadline, then obviously you are going to get, you know, you want to look, well, I guess there's an argument to say, if it's your course, why not push it back a week? I don't know. <laughs> but to me, it's like, there's no point pushing on through that experience, really, because what you're creating you probably won't look back on it and feel as good about it as if you take a break, pause, and come back to it with that sense of inspiration and ease and flow. It's like a complete, complete sideline, but I don't like having photographs of myself taken. I, I just don't, I don't like looking at them. I just don't like photographs. And then what's really surprised me was seeing the photos from my wedding day because I loved every single photograph. Even ones that I just said, I hate my side profile or I loved every single photograph. And I loved every single photograph because you could see the happiness. You could see the enjoyment of the day radiating out of me, radiating out of me. 
I don't really dislike having my photographs taken. It's just that I'm not often in that place of radiating joy when someone's got a camera in front of me. Yeah. <laughs> and it's the same thing with like online courses. You know, that's why I say to people, if you're putting video content in, you know, you, you want to be enjoying creating that video content or your audience won't be enjoying it. You know, and if, if some people video is not for them, it's, that's great. If, it's, if you know that about yourself, that you just tend to freeze in front of the camera or you just don't do your best in front of a camera, you don't have to do it. There's plenty of other ways around it. I'm, I'm all for working with your style, your uniqueness, your self-expression and bringing that out because that's that's just the sweet spot. Well, that's such... I think that is so important for people to hear that it's your uniqueness that counts, your level of involvement and your enjoyment, because that really runs counter to most of the recommendations that are given to people when they're building a business, when they're creating a membership site, when they're creating an online course or doing something to attract clients because everyone is looking for, okay, just tell me what to do. Yeah. And it's an outside-in perspective rather than an inside-out perspective. It's like, what do I feel wants to be said? What wants to come mm -hmm. through me? So it's a, it's a really, there's really no other way to get around it. I mean, the choices are you do it from a place of uh, almost obligation formula versus a more innovative experience <laughs> that is based on trying hard not to be I know, you're trying not to be crazy, yeah. <laughs> Trying to do something that is different. And mm. I think that's a, a hallmark of that word, with the C word, is doing something different, playing with components in a way that you're shaking them up. You know, it's like taking puzzle pieces and instead of the normal picture you would see, you just move it around. So it creates a completely different uh, mm. image or experience, like those words that you, those magnetic words that you used to be able to put up on the refrigerator and yeah, you take yeah. a sentence and then you change it around and keep changing it around. So I think that encouragement to, to follow what's different mm. and push it and see what else is there rather than adhere to a formula or to a strategies, I think that's going to give it a, an aliveness, whatever it is you're doing. Yeah. And we, 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 we know personally that we love that because when someone does do something that's different, when somebody does something that's innovative, and, it, and it's got that sort of unique characteristic for them. We respond to that so positively because you kind of you, you kind of admire the their sort of braveness to go there and do it differently, but also their ability to then express something creatively without having to follow somebody else's formula. And of course, what happens is someone comes along and comes up with an idea, and then it's so successful that everyone we all we all do the same. And I said, there's nothing wrong with that. It's a great way to kind of build your training wheels is to, to get in and start playing with things. I meet a lot of people who've been told they've got to do video. You know, you're a coach, you're a consultant, you do this and now you want to get your message out, you've got to do video. Well, got to do video is not a great place to start your creative journey through with all of this. And, you know, of course people are going to be unfamiliar with video when they first start out. And we've probably all got blooper reels where we've shot videos and, you know, cursing or whatever because we pushed the wrong button or something happened or we said the wrong word or whatever it might be. Yeah. And that's part of the learning curve. But if you detest video or if you really don't come over well on video, why would you keep pushing down the hardest path when there's so many other ways that you could creatively express? Why wouldn't you do something different? You know, there's audio. There's a real advantage to things like podcasts these days 
because people can listen to them on the move. People can listen to them while they're doing housework. People can listen to them in the background at work. So just because you've been told you've got to do video, it doesn't mean you have to. There's so many other ways that you can, you can express. And I've done courses that have been purely written where someone's got some text and maybe some handouts and exercises and they're just as good. You know, if that's what's right for the person, if they write that way, if they, that's the sort of their outlet for expressing themselves. Perfect, do that, follow that and see where it takes you. And maybe then you'll be on the edge of an innovation because it's so aligned with you and what you wanna do. Well, that seems to be a red thread and what we're talking about is doing you. And yeah. doing you is unique, it's just, it's not following a formula. And for many people that checking in with themselves to really feel like, well, what makes me feel excited? What am I excited mm. about talking about? What do I wanna show you that's so exciting to me? You might like it, that it's a very different invitation. And it seems like to, in order for people to stand out or their courses to stand out or their membership sites to stand out, that component really needs to be there. That yeah. uniqueness, that, that uh, inner spark has yeah. to be shown whether it's through an audio version or a video version or a written version yeah as long I, as I, it's got that spark yeah i was going to say because because if you think about an online course or a membership site and, and you know whether you're talking about a small um you know 39 dollar type introduction program or you're talking about a two thousand dollar life transforming type program you know when we when we go into that creative process there is there is a commitment and there is going to be an investment of time resource and potentially money whether you're talking about the tech whether you're going to work with somebody like me there is going to be an investment of money to me it's, it's i would rather turn people away and encourage them to go and do something that they can do on their own for less cost initially for them to get into the place of really knowing themselves and knowing what makes them unique and then create something from there because then all that investment will be worth it. You know, there's so many things you can do. You know, we are so blessed. You can run a course on Facebook. You know, you could set up a group on Facebook. You could charge people through PayPal 10 pounds a month to be in that group on Facebook. You could put up your content. You could do lives. You could do whatever you wanted to do. You could do that until you get, refine the content, know who you want to work with, have the revenue to be able to do whatever you want to do. You can spend as long as you want in that space. To me, the online courses and the membership sites, they're the things, especially where you start to do the big investments, there's something for when you've been doing that for a while. When you know who you are and you know who you want to work with and you know what you want to do with them. That's the perfect time. And that comes from being out there, trying things, getting feedback, finding out what works, finding out what doesn't. People will imply that there's some sort of exact science in marketing. And, and there isn't. We, we just are drawn to things that resonate for us. Mm. And the best way for people to resonate with you is by being you. That's the best way for the right people to find you at the right time is when you're showing up fully as yourself, not trying to follow somebody else's model, expressing yourself in the way you want to express yourself. And that's what people will be drawn to. Tell me a little bit about your work doing membership sites and why someone would want to do that and and what the process is with that yeah so so the distinction i would make between an online course and a membership site i mean there's various different distinctions but just for simplicity so an online course might just be when i say might just that's that's unfair to online courses because of course they're much more than that but it, you might have a modular type 
course and you've got a video, some handouts and people might be engaging, you might do some coaching. Where I see the membership sites is that's where you start to build community. So membership sites might be where people start to pay a monthly subscription to be involved in a creation that you're doing. So that's where you're starting to really build your audience as a group of people who want to share and be part of something together and be part of your creation. Again, it's there's always different times and different reasons for doing whatever you're doing and a membership site. One of the things I think that's really appealing, I think, for membership sites at the moment is that we've become very dependent on social media. So things like Facebook, for example, we are very dependent on that. And that means that when Facebook changes the rules, which it will do, because fundamentally Facebook is there as a business, you know, and if you've watched the, the movie, The Social Dilemma on Netflix, you'll see that we're actually the commodity, not the audience, not the customer. So we are very dependent on social media. And, and because of that, I think Facebook recently changed things. So group posts aren't showing up in the same way or are difficult to reach people in your group. So when you've got that dependency, being able to create your own membership site that's away from Facebook is maybe self-hosted. That then gives you the opportunity to build your community in the way you want to with your guidelines, rules, whatever you want to call it. I personally would predict that there's going to be a huge move away from social media over the next few years because, well, we, I think we are all much more aware of what social media platforms are about. Um, lots of good things in about, about social media platforms, but you know, if you really want to build your own community, is it, is it the right place long-term? It probably isn't. Having something that's self-hosted is probably a better route to go down for the long-term because then you stay in control of that, of that particular platform for yourselves. And I'd like to see that. I don't know about you, but I would really like to see these things that spring up membership sites and communities springing up away from traditional social media. That kind of, I don't know, that kind of excites me, that thought that we could sort of start creating them for ourselves and maybe taking, because we've kind of gone to this place where there's a sort of monopoly on the way that media is handled by the big players like Facebook and Instagram. So it'd be really great to see little businesses springing up with their own communities doing things differently. I like that idea. Who's doing that yet? Now, I I actually am saying that, and I know of one organization, I think it's Mind Valley, the Mm. uh, personal development online community where they've started their own, it's comparable to Facebook, their own group Mm. format so that people can not be on Facebook all the time and be addicted to the algorithms. Yeah. The, the serotonin shots that happen when you get certain clicks and follow yeah. and stuff to be able to find some alternative to that, which is still going to have enough reach and is mm-hmm. going to be, you think that, okay, social media is, is uh, efficient in terms of the number of people that it would reach. And yet at the same time, you see the statistics on, how many how many people your posts actually reach it's in the single digits of percentages three percent five percent unless you pay to play Mm. so Mm. to have a a format that is less manipulative of us and yet still develops the capacity for reaching a large audience boy i bet a lot of people would jump on that opportunity I think so. And if you think particularly about if we're in the nature of sort of personal development, you know, things that we're sharing on Facebook that we're literally typing into a data receiving machine, it can be uncomfortable sometimes, even if you're just in a private group on Facebook and you're sharing things that are deeply personal, we still are transferring that data to an organization that we've given away our rights really about where that data goes. And we've seen that because we've seen the 
you know, the various controversies that have come out from Facebook in terms of how data has been shared. So I really do love this idea that we could start to, you know, go a bit rebellious and take back control of our, our communities. Um, and there is software that allows you to do that. You can have an online course, you can have a community forum and built within that so that those discussions can start to happen in that space and obviously you're then I mean there's obviously still an element of you're sharing data online and there's always going to be an openness for that to be shared in some way if you're owning that site and you know much more clearly what's happening to that data are people going to be more open to sharing in that forum and and, and really getting into some of those conversations because I think that's what excites me is that the, I know at the moment we're in, we're very divided and understandably so with all the different situations that are going on around the world. But I think, I think it was Brené Brown who talked about, you know, getting people with very opposing views to sit down around a table and talk. And I was like, yes. And maybe if we have communities that aren't just based on these social media platforms, we can sit down and start to have those conversations with people who have very different points of view. And I think, again, that's exciting to me because I think that's where the real healing can start to happen. Because as long as we just stand there bickering across Facebook with this is my opinion and this is your opinion and, you know, you're wrong, you're wrong. We're never going to get anywhere. But deep and meaningful personal conversation happening on a forum away from social media. I think that's something to get quite excited about. It is really, especially now when as we were talking before we got on the call about the fact that we're in a pandemic, the pandemic is not going away tomorrow. No. It's likely to be months and months before we have the opportunity to connect in a more one-on-one uh, -on -one individual in-person experience. Mm. So being willing to express your vulnerability in a group context, you want it to be as safe as possible. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, where we can, and I know it's not, open to everybody but where we can actually pay for that as a service but we know that what part of what we're paying for is to have that safe space yeah. then maybe our you know our attitude towards something like a membership site it really starts to have value because it is that safe space that that again it's just one of those things where it's innovation isn't it it's that it, it's that being on that edge of that innovative part of things to be going can I do this differently? You know, so my last client, I think she's doing it differently. She's taking her community off Facebook. She's taking them online and she's developing confidence, a place for them to develop their confidence mm. by supporting each other. But, but it not being in the, in the noise and the, the bustle and everything of, of Facebook. And it's, it's, it's a really exciting proposition that we're going to have the technology and be able to do that kind of stuff. Definitely. Oh, that's a whole conversation in and of itself. <laughs> that's a great one. I want to go back, if we can, and talk about uh, something that you and I were talking about earlier, which is uh, niching mm. and whether what your take is on whether it's is there a rule of thumb? Could there be a rule of thumb or just being rebellious and doing it whatever way you want to trying to identify a particular group of people that you feel your message is particularly geared towards or niching in terms of a problem that's endemic to everybody mm. so let's say the problem the challenge is loneliness mm. do you do you have any sense of is it better to be talking about this particular subject which is everybody can go in and out of feeling lonely 
or to particularly target it towards empty nesters or people who are retiring or feeling like you don't fit in somewhere or you know you're you're targeting a group of people rather than a common problem that all people have so niching as you know is something that i've been thinking about quite a lot recently partly because the sort of strategic concept of niching I find it difficult to sort of reconcile that with this open, expansive creativity because it almost feels like, well, I've got to box something in in order to be able to then do it. That just doesn't doesn't seem to fit, doesn't seem to align for me. And again, if you go to expert opinions about niching and probably all new coaches will have had this, they'll talk to somebody who'll go, oh, well, you've got to pick your audience. You've got to pick who you want to work with. Um, I don't necessarily think it works like that. The trouble is it to go the other way is if you if you just free flow completely, and I'm not sure about this, I'm not sure I've completely defined it for myself yet, so this could be a bit rough around the edges. But if you to completely free flow and to express and share what it is that you know without hanging it on something like a hook or some way, you might just end up with really, really great content, but nobody actually coming in to play the game with you. And that would be that would be a shame. So there's something around being able to know what you want to do and how you want to play and knowing the people that you want to play with and then being able to express that in a way that brings them in across the threshold to actually join you for that experience. I don't even know whether I'd go as so far as to say it's an either or in terms of is it a particular audience or is it a particular problem. I think it's just having the clarity to know that there has to be some point of connection for the person who's perhaps reading your marketing material or watching a video for them to go I want to play that game with you. I want to come in and have that experience with you. Mm. And I think what I haven't discovered for myself, and I don't think I found it out there yet, is a, is, is a way of truly being able to keep it completely free flowing and still have that point of instant contact. It's almost like we need to somehow find a universal of some sort, you know, a shared experience of some sort, whether that's because we're all empty nesters or because we're all um, building a business or because we're all coaches or because we've got a certain problem you know, like isolation in the pandemic or whatever it might be. That I think just gives people the opportunity for them to know that you're talking to them. Mm-hmm. And, and when I see things in my clients' marketing materials, when they're very generic, what happens with that sometimes it's brilliant, but it's it's not really talking to anybody because we don't know then if we read something for very generic that it's targeted at us. So am I getting the impression that you're espousing finding a particular group of people to talk about a problem that needs to be solved or a challenge that needs to be addressed? Not necessarily just what I'm saying about me being, I'm probably being very vague right now and <laughs> not deliberate at all, but it's, it, it's not so much finding a group of people. It's just having something in yourself where you know with clarity who you're talking to. So, you know, we, we've talked about, um, you know, doing things around the pandemic, for example. So people are, having, people are having lots of shared experiences in the pandemic and people are having lots of different experiences. And, I, you know, I was talking to you before about tennis being cancelled for me. And it's like, well, I'm in a very privileged position if what I'm moaning about is tennis being cancelled. Because there's people out there right now who don't have jobs, who are trying to find put food on the table for their kids and stuff. So, you know, if I was to try and write a course for two people in very different situations, am I going to am I going to be able to find something that's going to appeal to all of those people? Mm-hmm. Or do I need to, at least for starting point, just find something where I'm talking to someone who's got a particular need? So that could be they identify with a group or it could be that they've got a particular problem. I wouldn't necessarily, it was either or of those. I just think it's a challenge to try and be 
to try and include everybody. I think you can end up missing the mark if you try and be all things to all people. Mm-hmm. But you know, when I ran my coaching practice and I advertised that I mainly worked with people who were running businesses, that didn't mean that I didn't still have mums asking if I could help them. So I don't think a niche has to exclude other people. And if we go back to what we were saying about it's not which one, it's which one first, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that by picking a niche, you can't then at a later date pick another group or another problem to work with it's just it's going to be a lot easier to write something that appeals to people if you know who it is that you're talking to and I think that's where that whole concept of having an avatar or a muse or something that people are using as the basis for their program because it's much easier to write clearly and succinctly if we're talking to someone if I was composing an email to you Nina I'd know what to say to you compared to maybe somebody else I was writing to if I'm trying to include everybody how do you know what to actually say what's the what's the right words, language, problems that all people are experiencing. We can't do that. So I wouldn't say, I think that's what I'm saying. It's like, I would love to find another way that isn't about some sort of niche. But actually in terms of communication, having that as a starting point is probably a helpful thing. So, and I've had clients who've written online courses for women and I've got guys showing up. So if people, once you write the content, if people resonate with it, it, then they're in. It doesn't, they don't have to, always completely identify with what you think is the niche yeah but it's easier to communicate if you know who you're who you're you're talking to yeah (laughs) yeah so I'm going to uh, shift gears if I can I know we're getting close to our top of the hour Mm. for somebody who has a brick and mortar business or something that's very specific let's say it's an owner of a coffee shop or Mm. a gathering place or someone who is an accountant or someone who is a travel agent, how would or would it be relevant to create an online course or to have a membership site? How could that fit into their business? I think anyone with a passion to share what they know can have an online course. There's no reason why they can't. You know, if you take the example of, you know, a coffee shop owner, you know, perhaps they know a lot about different coffees and, you know, how they come about and which regions and what the taste variations are. You know, you can put together a a course on anything you want to. And not all my clients are coaches or consultants. I have, you know, a wide variety, lawyers and people like that who who do other things. So and that's the additional revenue stream part of it is that anyone can set it up as an additional revenue stream. But I think the principles that we've been talking about are still the same in terms of knowing yourself, knowing what you want to express in the world, knowing who you want to reach all of those aspects are going to make it much easier for you to put something something together. Um, but there's no reason why we all know something about something. <laughs> you know, that's that's the beauty about this. We've all developed areas of expertise in our lives. And some of them we've done without much too much effort because they're just a natural part of what we do. So why not share the stuff we know with others? You know, why not put it out there? Because we live in, an, in a world now where people want to learn and have access to a way of learning that doesn't involve having to go on to face-to-face training courses. And maybe that's going to be one of the things that comes as a result of the pandemic is I think we've all learned how we can use the online world to make a difference in our lives. I'm not an advocate for saying everything should be online. I think I I would also miss the face, even as an introvert, I would miss the face-to-face contact. So I don't think it all should be, but maybe that's going to be a healthy shift is to start asking ourselves, well, do I need to go and find, you know, a course out there somewhere that I can go and learn something? Or who could I meet or who could I connect with and who can I train with? 
you know, from the comfort of my own home. And maybe because of that, we'll learn more. We'll spend more time learning because it's more accessible. Although I could do with someone doing a course on how to finish all the online courses you signed up for. <laughs> I think that one would be really selling. <laughs> As a selling one, isn't it? A selling point. <laughs> yeah. Well, that in itself is another whole conversation. But I, I think that uh, what you're saying about people who are not coaches or consultants per se, there's some, they're offering something else that doing a course or a membership site would enhance what it is that they're offering. So for instance, you're talking about coffee, a coffee mm. shop, or I mentioned it, that to be able to talk about different kinds of coffee or the brewing process or the roasting process or what makes their offering unique is only going to add to their attractiveness to other yeah. people. And I was going to say, and also they don't stand alone. So something we take the coffee shop example um, during lockdown, when we, we couldn't go out at all, we we started doing an online quiz, a pub, a pub quiz. And the guy who did it was brilliant. We really enjoyed it. But there was that sense after a while of should we go to that pub one day? And I'm, and I'm kind of thinking the same thing with a coffee shop. If you had somebody who was in their coffee shop sharing what they know about coffee and thing, wouldn't there be an appeal to actually go to that coffee shop one day? Because we want to be part of things. So that's something like that, as well as it being, well, it can be an additional revenue stream because you can teach what you know about coffee. You know, it can also have a ripple effect into the business because people want to be more involved. They want to come and see the actual place where, you know, you work and you do your coffee thing. <laughs> You can see I know a lot about coffee, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> the coffee thing <laughs> that you do. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But there's no reason. I and again, that's so to go back to our favorite C word now, the creativity part of it. You know, that's that that's the whole point of it is like whatever business you're in, you know, even if you're not in business, what do you want to share? And being open to that and again allowing the space and see see what comes through as being, well, actually, I could do something with this. I could teach this, I could share it. It could be directly related to my business. It could be something completely different. But just the joy of wanting to share that and being inspired by that as a project. You know, that, is, that's, yeah. Excuse me, there is something so incredibly satisfying about sharing something you love. Mm. You know, regardless of whether the other person loves it back. Mm. But if there's something about lighting up with the thing that you love and that you're excited about. And we were talking about that earlier about being on videos. You know, if you mm. if it if you're sharing what you love, then it's got an energy to it, going back to that component mm. that is very appealing because people want to feel alive. They want to feel connected. They want to feel that there are things that they can look forward to or explore mm. themselves, unless they're the people who are just happy living in a box. Mm. Yeah. And you know, how many times have you been, I don't know, flicking through TV channels and you land on something that's not your area of interest, but you just get grabbed by the enthusiasm of the presenter. And yeah. th that's what I really love is seeing people when they're just, they're so inspired and they want to share. And, th and that's where that, that they're so engaged that it rubs off on you. And that's a, that's a pretty good formula for success. And <laughs> be inspired and inspire others. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think if you live from that place of feeling inspired and inspiring others, good things would happen in your life. <laughs> well, that's a beautiful point to end on. Oh, well, thank, thank you. you so much. Really enjoyed our conversation. Me too. 
any last words for the people who are listening and where they can find you and what you're up to these days? Yeah, so at, at the moment, um, it's kind of like the doctors, isn't it, who don't treat themselves. So I'm in the process of doing my own website. <laughs> so I'm in transition at the moment, but for now you can find me at tiffanyk.com. More than happy to people just to drop me a line or let me know what they're up to. I'd love to know what online courses people are creating. But if you've got any questions or just kind of want some signposting, I'm more than happy to, to be a sounding board for that. And, and the, the, I think the, the, if I was gonna leave a sort of parting message and without trying to be inspirational in any way at this point, I think the thing is just keep it simple. I, I, it's, we start off with an, an inkling of an idea and then by the time we're actually ready to put something in the, out the world, it's got so complicated and we lose the whole fun and enjoyment and passion of creating because we're so hung up on the tech and everything. You know, we can, you can put up a video on YouTube and make it private and copy the link and send it to people and that's teaching. <laughs> You know, it doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to have all the bells and whistles. They're just there for when you need them. So that's for me is like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want anyone to ever be put off sharing what they know because they think they don't get the tech or they think it's going to be expensive. Start with what you have and build it from there. Great advice. It makes <laughs> it so accessible, so much more accessible. Yeah. I would hope so, because that's that's the advantage of the area we live in. We have to put up with some of the downsides, but one of the advantages we have is we we can do things now that we couldn't have done 20 years ago. We can have the same impact as a large corporation and we couldn't have done that 20 years ago. Yeah. Always a silver lining. Probably what social media was invented for. <laughs> <laughs> right, the original intention. The original intention was connection, but yeah. here we are. So let's just deal with what we've got and make the most of it. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Well, thank you again so much, Tiffany, for joining me. Thank you, Nina. Love Lovely. chatting to you.